0: Hi, and welcome to Fine Art Podcast, where the podcast may be fine, but the art is fine. My name's Keegan Shiner, and this is my inaugural podcast. I know inaugural is kind of a dirty word right now, but um, it's just my first podcast. Um, I like talking to fine artists. Uh, They're the most interesting people in the world, Um, and I love talking to them about how they make it, how they do it and what they're up to next um i like having honest conversations so this podcast is sort of about process and influence and uh and the work my first guest is brooke stewart um i met brooke while well, she was getting her mfa at the school of the museum of fine arts smfa at tufts university um, she's currently a professor at Northeastern University, and her work deals with female identity, gender roles, and sports. Um, it's really interesting stuff. Her paintings are massive. They're like five by seven. Now, I think that they were like seven by five. Uh, they take up whole walls. You walk up to them and they're, they're you, you have to crane your neck, basically. Brooke has shown her work recently at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, Contemporary Print in Austin, Texas, the St. Louis Artist Guild in Missouri, and the North American Print Biennial at the Jewett Art Center at Wellesley College. She was recently published in New American Paintings, number 41 and 42, And she was selected by the art department at Wellesley College for the 2020 2021 Alice Seacole 42 Merit Grant in Studio Art. So I hope that you'll enjoy this podcast with Brooke, and I'll catch you on the other side. I'd like to welcome Brooke Stewart to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Very excited.
0: How are you dealing with COVID times? Quarantine? Um,
1: I moved mid-COVID, which has helped. Oh, wow. Like three months somewhere and then three months somewhere else. So that was good, kind of like setting up my new house. And then I've been preparing for a show that's going to be in December.
0: At the Distillery Gallery?
1: So I've been painting and thinking a lot. Um,
0: Did you switch studios or are you at the same studio?
1: No, I, you know, I was the um, Boston Center for the Arts had a call open to change studios. Um, They had some spaces open a six month period from October till March. Yeah. But I share with this older woman who I adore. And if I left, then she would lose her space. Oh, wow. um, I think until I know for sure that I can afford my full space that I'm probably going to s- stick with her because she's very funny. Oh, cool. Old. Yeah. So you, you nice to in? have a conversation, especially during COVID.
0: Yeah. You, you don't mind sharing a space then with someone else?
1: No, I mean, she takes up very little and, um, she's only there on Tuesday nights. So I just don't go on Tuesday nights. Oh yeah. Um, but she really she leaves me little sticky notes, which is funny, because she's like 74 and a preschool art teacher. And then she made a sign on the on the door for me that was bedazzled and had my name on it. Which
0: oh my gosh, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So we love Jen. Jen's great.
0: Yeah. Um, and and uh, so what studio are you out of right now?
1: Um, I work at the Vernon Street Studios in Somerville. Okay. About a half mile walk from my house.
0: So. Oh, great. Uh, cool. How did you get started as an artist? Let me go, go back. Where did you come from?
1: <laughs> well, I was born in Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Okay. Um, and I grew up on the North Shore. All and, right. And I went to the College of William & Mary.
0: Okay. Where is Where is William & Mary?
1: It's in Southern Virginia.
0: Virginia. Okay. Was that a culture shock? Going from the Northeast to the South.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they all thought I was nuts. They were like, you need to slow down. It was good. And then it was kind of nice to slow down for a bit. But I was also playing, I was playing um, Division I basketball. So that was basically my job while I was in college. And then from there, I went to uh, the School of the Museum of Fine Arts at Tufts University. And then I was the post-grad teaching fellow there for painting and drawing. And I kind of lucked out because... It was a full-time gig for a year, so I taught two painting classes and two drawing classes, uh, one intro and one advanced of each subject. So that was awesome for my experience. And I got to work with Ethan Morrow, who is just wonderful.
0: He, he's a he's a illustrator, right? Um
1: he's an artist um, yeah he's
0: an well I mean artist but like he uses pencils on like
1: uses pencils but he's he's recently started doing color and it's really good oh cool um and he's yeah. just so kind
0: because I I see his work it's like 20 foot walls of pencil or or um yeah or really? marker yeah sharpies yeah. wasn't it sharpies yeah yeah
1: and his wife um is an illustrator and she made this book of like, um, female superhero or like Disney princesses that were like, <laughs> saving or something that was really great. I don't know. So oh, it that's was cool.
0: really
1: awesome working for someone um, that like wanted me to do well.
0: It's which, nice to have a good boss.
1: <laughs> yeah, which well, I played so like, I played sports my whole life and like I had a good high school basketball coach, but like my coach in college, I really hated Coach yeah. Lawson. And that comes through in the work.
0: Yeah, it does. <laughs> we're we're going to get to the work. Wait, uh, so going back, you came from the Northeast. Were you painting then when you were in high school?
1: I painted. So I had an awesome, awesome art teacher in high school. His name okay. was Walter Meinel. And I was also very, um, I was very, oh, I wouldn't say strange, but like people thought that I was very too much, too intense. Cause I would go, I, would, I played all these sports and then, I would eat lunch in the art room, okay, <laughs> and work on my projects.
0: Your art projects, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I
1: don't think I started painting painting until maybe junior year. I mean, we, okay. still, we did like gouache, those like gouache squares, yeah. like the First two years, but um, and then Mr. Minel actually introduced me to my first printmaking project. Okay. Uh, which was awesome, but yeah, no, I think going to a high school that had a good art program helped.
0: So rewinding even more, did you draw as a child and, and like, w- was this always with you or at some point did you find it as like a good outlet for, for other things?
1: So I don't really read well. Okay. And so when I was growing up, it was a way that I felt, because I was always going, going, going. And when I was drawing, my mind kind of like relaxed a little bit. So I would doodle a lot on things, almost too many things and get in trouble for it yeah um but one thing i did when i was younger that i don't know if it translated or not but i used to sew bean bags oh. and i taught myself <laughs> how to juggle but i would like st- sit there and like sew bean bags and i would like make earrings and in class no like at no
0: school. oh wow
1: like a a big treat for me was going to ac more to get like a
0: kid. <laughs> oh that's uh, awesome
1: so I think it was just like, because I couldn't really sit still. So if I had something to do, yeah, and then it kind of just...
0: Right, you turned yeah. that energy into painting. And then when, when you got to college, that's when you um, went into art more? or um, So I was
1: really big in art in high school. And then when I got to college, I wanted to go to art school, but I had to play basketball because it was free. So I went and the art school at William Mary's Mary is very traditional. Okay,
0: like, what super, do you mean by traditional?
1: <laughs> super old master based like drawing first and then okay. like, like drawing boxes and milk cartons and lights and chairs and negative space. And we would look at like all the, like I did not know, you know what screwed me? I had zero conceptual art knowledge Uh, sorry contemporary art knowledge going into grad school so then when I interviewed for grad school and they asked me who my favorite contemporary artist was I (laughs) "I said Frank Stella at my Pratt interview and he kicked me out oh wow yeah he was like I'll never forget it. his name is Nat Mead he was like next time you need oh no
0: oh no well, I I have a I had a similar well I didn't even go to art school when I was uh undergrad I had a film major. I think I said like Andy Warhol, like yeah, as is like the the artist that I knew. And yeah. but I, I get that like not really knowing going into your MFA. Was that sort of a culture shock then when you got to yeah. like an, an MFA program?
1: Yeah, I mean when i was looking at schools i researched the teachers in my department and who i wanted to kind of learn from and i really loved patty and ethan yeah. um, i liked patty a lot because her paintings patty
0: loper were, yeah
1: yeah patty loper her paintings were traditional they looked like old masters oil paintings which i learned from but then they were also like super weird and like there she was like this floating i remember she made this painting that i love that was this woman floating with hair so it was like this woman ascending that looked just like her but she had like a full coat of hair on her oh I it's like oh this lady is a freak but she can also paint and so i think learning like looking back on the whole education process i think that it probably helped me by not knowing the contemporary people yeah. in undergrad because it made you focus on like the true foundation of how to build a painting. And um, I had two really great professors in college, Nikki Santiago and um, John Lee, very traditional oil painting peeps. And they kind of gave me the chops. And then when I got to grad school and I was able to do what I wanted to do, I could.
0: What was it like balancing basketball and art in college?
1: I didn't sleep a lot. Okay. But I mean it was what was your
0: schedule like for basketball?
1: Uh in season? Yeah. So it was all year round. They passed a law, the NCAA passed a law that women's basketball was an all year round sport when I was a freshman, so we had to stay in the summer and work out. Oh wow. But we would like every every day, every weekday we would have a lift in the morning. So from five to six or six to seven we would have a lift and then um, we would have a floor. weightlifting.
0: You mean yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. lots of people don't know what a lift is. Yeah. I was like, you got gotten a guy? Where'd you go? Yeah.
1: Go to the gym to lift weights and then we okay. Do conditioning. Okay. Um, then we would go to breakfast as a team. And then um, after breakfast, we would only be able to take class from nine to two. Okay. So if your classes <laughs> didn't fall in the nine to two period, you had to take it over the summer. Wow that was difficult for me because my studio classes were three hours long. So I had to kind of go to the department and say like, I really want to do this. I'm gonna declare a major. I'm gonna, is there any way that I can pass in projects over Christmas break that I can make up? And they were really awesome working with me. Um, But then after classroom nine to two, you would go to practice. So you'd go to the training room and get taped up, which you like tape all your injuries. (laughs)
0: Oh, you tape, <laughs> you like tape your arms and legs and... Yes. Okay. <laughs>
1: Which is hilarious. They didn't
0: use band-aids but... or anything. They just tape. <laughs> just okay. Tape. Actually, what, what is it?
1: Um, no, Painter's it was... tape? A whole lot. Then we should make a painting about that.
0: Yeah. I, I just inspired you.
1: <laughs> um. And then we would go to practice. Practice would be from like three to five. Then we'd have film from five to six. Then we'd go to dinner. Then we'd have study hall. Study hall was like a three hour block of time where you needed to be in the library, you like swiped in and there was- did like- they
0: Did they force you to study hall?
1: Depending on your GPA.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So I put it up a big fuss with the athletic department because they wanted me to go to study hall. In the library, when I had like so much painting to do, and the art building was right across the the way. It was literally right across the courtyard. I was like, I'm gonna be in here. If you'd like to come check on me, you can I'm more surprised. I'm like not surprised on like how I balanced painting and basketball, but like how did I party so much?
0: Oh, you were and, a big partier in college. And yeah, yeah.
1: So I think that was. A, were
0: you in a sorority or anything? Were you allowed to be?
1: Uh, I mean, you could, but like. I felt like athletic programs really kind of like their own thing, their own
0: sorority, yeah.
1: But then, like, because I'll go out and have a couple drinks, and then come home and wake up next morning like I don't know how I went to practice.
0: Well, you you were younger, young young people can bounce back pretty quick.
1: I know, but I'm only twenty six.
0: You're old, old (laughs) old news. Old news, yeah.
1: It was definitely helped me in grad school. Everyone was like, I don't have any time. I was like, I have so much time.
0: (laughs) Almost too much time at that point. Nobody's telling you to tape up.
1: I know. I know. Well, then I had to go to therapy because I would, during grad school, I would run at lunchtime and like I would work out too much. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to like calm down and slow down. And I think that there really should be like a kind of like an exit strategy for college athletes. I mean, I was a mid-major, but like the big, big schools, there's a lot of um, issues as they exit, like eating disorders and mental health. And
0: So uh, you, what were you painting in college? We're almost getting to your current work.
1: <laughs> what did I paint in college? My paintings in college were bad. Okay. I had no, I had ideas of what I wanted to paint, but I still didn't, I didn't like, my surfaces were bad. So like, I would just like glob paint on and then paint over that. And it was just not like the thin, what do they call it? Grisard or whatever in French. A grisard? Yeah. They call it it it. like a term for like layering.
0: Oh, okay. So you're not supposed to just slap the paint on?
1: no which i really was like bam yeah um, anyway so i painted a series of like the seven like the modern day seven deadly sins okay which was an awful idea
0: <laughs> why is that an awful idea
1: it's just like why did i it's You're just, just
0: being really hard on yourself you didn't know what to do
1: <laughs> i didn't know what to do well, I had, that's a good idea and well when i started looking at contemporary painters i was like oh they like gave me permission in grad school to do what I wanted to do, but kind of gave me like navigation as to how to get there properly. Whereas I was so used to painting still lives that I was like, I'm gonna make like this baby sit on the ceiling. And my, my paintings were wild, but I, I made one painting in college that I really liked. And it was of this like woman and she was sitting and she was like watching TV. And then all of her children were like running around and it it was the first painting I made with like invented perspective of like a bunch of different planes,
0: which you use a lot now.
1: Yeah. Which I really like to do because it reminds me of like going into an arena and like so many different levels and are always different. I, I really Really interested that.
0: I Um, get that. That's that. Yeah. That's a lot like a basketball arena.
1: Yeah, or like any big, big space. I I like to see like how kind of like where the seams are and how they close. Like how do they make this? Like if this was made of paper, yeah. How do it. Um and I spent a lot of time sitting on the bench. So I thought about that.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, did you play basketball all four years or just three?
1: I did. I played four years. I played about half the game.
0: So okay.
1: Twenty minutes. Um, I was a three-point shooter, so I would go in when they needed me. And were you
0: were you clutch or?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could shoot. And then my senior year, I played a season of basketball and I played a season of field hockey, which was really fun.
0: This is a uh, you... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm showing a picture of you in college.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Here's your college uh, basketball Ew. portrait
1: awful look at that hair brutal yeah, this comes
0: see. right up on google too uh mm-hmm. if you want to look up brooks stats you can do that by searching her name it comes mm-hmm. right up it's the tribe they're, at not com. Good
1: stats. they're bad stats
0: too. what's interesting is these are the weirdest like written stats i've ever read like had a career high three assists and hit rebounds at hofsta it buried a pair of triples at James Madison, made her lone start of the year on senior day, hitting a triple and grabbing three rebounds against Towson. It's kind of like a narrative.
1: Here's the thing. My college, and I still have like mental problems with this, but my college career, basketball career is so disappointing. And I always struggle with like, should I have transferred or not? Because like we got a new coach and... He never played me, and he was, like, a huge dick. But I called my coach that I signed for, Coach Debbie Taylor, who is still a very close friend and mentor of mine, and I was like, what should I do? And she was like, you know, it's a really great school. You should just stay because you're not going to play basketball for the rest of your life. And... I'm happy I stayed.
0: Yeah, that's true. Most college athletes don't go into sports. Were you thinking that you might go into sports as a career? Uh,
1: I would have liked to play overseas. And um, I could have went okay. and played over in England. Oh, yeah. Um, but I got into grad school and I was just like, you know what, fuck it.
0: Yeah, better to do art.
1: I'm going to be a painter.
0: Cool. So when you got to the MFA program and you started doing more personal Um, paintings Mm -hmm. and subjects, you started painting about basketball quite a bit as an outlet to sort of that uh, very pressured situation that you were coming from.
1: I think it was a way of mourning. I think a lot of my paintings are about mourning. Um, But yeah, so I made all these paintings about basketball and kind of like my disappointments so I think what I do, and I'm learning this about myself as an artist, is I make paintings that come across as comical, yeah, uh, to kind of make them light and funny. But and if you really look at them, they're they're a bit sad.
0: This one is called "It Used to Be Fun."
1: Yeah, and it's all <laughs> the cheerleaders flipping off Coach Swanson, who I painted like a monoprint in a monoprint. Is very transparent. And so I wanted him to look like he was losing power in like a ghost type feel. And he's got like this little peen and like this little tiny push.
0: <laughs> and different uh this is that perspective that you were talking about too. Right? Yeah. Lots, lots of different angles.
1: Kind of like the collapse. It was I wanted to feel like it was collapsing down.
0: And there's cheerleaders like giving you the finger.
1: Yeah, those are funny, right? I love the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders are flipping, so everybody's flipping everyone off.
0: Yeah, you have a lot of middle fingers in your work.
1: Yeah, my old work had a lot of middle fingers in it.
0: This one is called You Suck Room.
1: So this is um, a play on what it was like to watch film. Okay. So basically you would go in the room with a coach and you would watch film. And so they would have like team film and then they'd have like breakdown guard post film. And so this would be guard film. And then he would just like, you would go and sit in the offices and he would like press rewind and be like, what the fuck was that? Like, why
0: did you oh, do yeah. that? So Like specifically like, at you.
1: Yeah. So one-on-one I, film. Yeah. Pretty good. Oh, much.
0: yeah. Yeah. You look pretty stuck to the chair.
1: <laughs> I wanted her to look embalmed. So she kind of looks dead. Yeah. But I really like the idea of like becoming like almost becoming the chair like having such sharp color transitions and it's like yeah you're like yeah sparkly.
0: it's it's like rigid yeah right
1: so she couldn't move even if she wanted to and but her ponytail has some magic in it <laughs>
0: sparkly. it does yeah it is sparkly and this one is um square peg round life.
1: So he would always yell at me and say that I was a good player, but I didn't fit in his system. So I was his, called me his square peg.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Because I didn't fit in his round system. So this is, um, this is me as a yeah. square peg, if I were to be a square peg. My favorite part of this painting is like the pant, the pant drawstring, because she has these like a little, like little dick strings. And then in the middle, it's like a little vagine.
0: You have a lot of that sort of suggestive genitalia. Um, Here's a wood block called Cheated.
1: Yeah, this is a very big piece. The paper I made out of my old jerseys that I shredded. Wow. If you like go up to the print, it kind of smells like old gym socks.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And it's you on the bench. Exactly. So
1: it's me, and we would sit in our lockers when, like, the coach would come in. And so this is my locker, and then under you would open up the locker, and like all your gear would like go in that cubby. And yeah. so why it's like I wanted to take out the gear, make the paper, and then sit her back
0: on the. Oh, the, cool, cool. A couple of these I hadn't seen, yeah. um like this one. She was a sad giant.
1: This is like a little. little poem um I forgot what it says but like it's a little I kind of wanted to do like a collage thing and it's on a wood board that is beveled so it looks like a backboard okay a lot of it's part of the insulation in the the court and in like this bottom left hand corner you can like it's a lot of the wood grain and then these quartz are kind of floating away in her tears and then I put the the basketball hoop in a boat just in case like the water came
0: over (laughs) interesting yeah that's that's amazing
1: but she's kind of wants to pick her pick that guy up
0: what about the whistleblower
1: (laughs) this painting is is weird (laughs) (laughs) it is i think i just wanted to like give the whistle and you can't tell that it's i mean i guess you could tell it's a woman but like there's no facial identification other than the earrings um oh yeah,
0: yeah yeah but
1: i was just like there's just so many whistles
0: and then uh big girl thirsty
1: okay this one is fun i have a story for this one okay so bg was the men's manager okay bg is the man he was always so nice to us and he would leave us gatorade like the men would get gatorade but the woman wouldn't get gatorade because Our coach said we didn't need Gatorade, Okay. Um, which I don't know, maybe there was like too much sugar in it or something, but this was like this big woman and her like big shadow on the Gatorade and like her big pink finger. And she's just going to get some Gatorade before they take it away.
0: It's a, it's a painting basically of one of those Gatorade containers. Mm -hmm. And there's just a shadow of a woman. Um, Mm -hmm. And a, and a hand with a finger like on the spigot. That's mm-hmm. all this painting is. It's very provocative. The, the spigot's like right on her genitalia again. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what I would call a thirst trap, basically.
1: Thirst trap, I like to, it's like a big honeycomb thing.
0: I could see this hanging kind of over a water fountain somewhere. So what are your influences? What are some of your influences for this work? You sent over Neil Roush. Am I saying that right? Neil
1: Roush is lit. Yeah. His colors. And so basically my process is like, I'll make drawings in my sketchbook. Okay. And then I will pick like a color theme that I want to work with. And then depending on how that goes, like I'll either add or subtract because I don't want it to be too overwhelming with color because sometimes I think that can be distracting. And so um I really like to look at people like Neo Raush for color and like Alice for Tippett. Color. Yeah, like Alice Tippett is awesome. She uses like three to four colors in her paintings.
0: Yeah Alice Tippett I thought was like more she was very close color wise to your style of color. Neil Roush, I was thinking, was more like the composition of your paintings.
1: Yeah, kind of like a dream.
0: Where I'm he's, just- yeah, he he's pulling from his life and, and tying it to a political statement. Yeah. Which is what you're doing, too. You, you're attacking, like, the female identity in college sports, I, I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. So I... I really like to look at um, Nicole <laughs> Eisman's paintings because they're just so funny. They never get old. They're just so awesome. And even her sculpture, and like I'm not a huge sculpture person, but even her sculptures are really like unique and there's just all these little bits.
0: Oh yeah, she, she kinda uses a lot of like quotes in her paintings. Like she quotes Matisse a lot yeah. and like adds people. his paintings
1: (laughs) yeah and like she's funny yeah and i don't know i feel like i really love queer artists (laughs) um anna benaroya i've met a couple times she's wonderful but she makes these paintings of massive chicks and they're like playing piano or like but they're like big buff people yeah And, and um I'm not as much of a fan of her color as I am of the, her style. I and was
0: thinking about that. Cause the color here is just like the um, almost opposite from what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> she, she uses almost no realistic colors in hers. Right. Um,
1: Which I think works because like, obviously nothing in her paintings is realistic, but I just love, they're so funny and they're, the compositions are really good.
0: Yeah. She's borrowing a little bit from Terry Gilliam too. Like the, those compositions, uh, like the body compositions (laughs) remind me a lot of Monty Python. Yeah. Animations. Yeah.
1: And like her little strokes I think are awesome. I don't know if those are painted or drawn. I should ask her. She's this skinny little white woman. Yeah. Making these paintings are huge. Like I went to the Yale that, that thesis show, um, and Rebecca Ness is also in that show as well. Okay. She's an unbelievable painter, like unbelievable. Um,
0: Rebecca Ness, um, is, she, is she ahead of you? or? Um... She's a
1: year ahead. I mean, she graduated, she took a year off. I think she's a year older than me, but okay. she's a friend of mine, and she is, just incredible like yeah,
0: yeah i could see where you two would be friends because her work looks very very similar um in that forced perspective and yeah. autobiographical but where, you, where it differs is she's not painting about basketball basically no i'm kidding yeah, she's, she, she's she uses perfect. a lot more things in her paintings too
1: and she is a superstar like her paintings are amazing like she's i think she's like the best painter of our. Like 20, like people in their 20s right now. I don't think there's a better painter than Rebecca.
0: Wow, that is a high compliment.
1: Yeah, you know, she is nuts. It's incredible. She's just so humble and kind and so smart. And I just, just adore her. I like the way that she breaks down floors. And because I really like floors, that was cool to see. And then when I went to her grad school exhibition, she had this massive painting of um, a closet. And she talks about like, um, kind of like queer clothing and like that identity and the shirts are so awesome but the <laughs> new one, like the this woman was like in her dressing room and you could see like the swirl of her boob and it's just like the little shiny nuances of gender that I love that her work she like really it sings in her work and it's like so much more discreet and beautiful and She's wonderful, and her partner Holly is also wonderful.
0: I want to talk about floors. <laughs> what is it about floors <laughs> that you really are drawn to?
1: Um. Well, wood floors are so interesting because, like, there's so many little ditties, and
0: like when you're looking at them really close, close up, again, like you can see different lines. That's interesting.
1: I sat the bench and looked at a lot of floors. (laughs) Right. A long time, like when oh, when I play basketball, they stain the courts to the like these colors. So then I could see like the floor, the wood panel stained in like all these different colors. Yeah. And that got me jazzed up. (laughs) Talking to teammates, I'm like, look at that purple stain.
0: Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, we're down by 10.
1: Yeah. Like, you need to focus. Yeah.
0: You game. You're, you were like that kid on uh, like on a little league that's just yeah, like playing like with, with play. the dandelions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was so, yeah. So I, th- I think floors are interesting. And it's also to me about holding weight. The idea of like feeling grounded and holding weight is important to me. And so I think about arenas and scenes are, as I would not paint something that I didn't feel was comfortable.
0: Yeah, none of your paintings have like floating people. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've... like
1: everyone's grounded. Whether the ground feels real or not is uh, that doesn't matter to me. But I think that like so in my new stuff, I'm thinking like I'm working on paintings for a market basket. Yeah. And the floors and market basket are awesome they're Like <laughs> mean, gross tiles yeah but they're white and pale pink like and they don't they don't checker like a normal floor would it's like every other it's like two white tiles then a pink tile and so it just looks like someone like splattered pink on the white floor instead i love that shit, and like <laughs> i really like game boards kind of like the patterns on the ground i'm interested in but i think it starts from my time in college where i would have to draw they would send us outside to draw like the shadows we were very into mixing colors to (laughs) put like planes down for shadows
0: yeah like
1: we're gonna have to like draw we have to paint this tree and we can only use a palette knife so we need to mix like 17 grays to lay the shadows down flat Right, and so then I got really jazzed when I could make up my own floors and shadows.
0: You said you were um, starting a series on Market Basket. Is that's a grocery store chain in Boston? It is
1: the local Massachusetts grocery store. Okay, and it has people that love it and people that think it's disgusting. I love Market Basket. Okay, it, it, I love Market Basket. My whole family is Market Basket like to the die like hardcore my boyfriend thinks it's disgusting
0: what's the difference between market basket and like shaw's or um no
1: because it's <laughs> local like it like the demoula's family owns it so it's like right. a we owned run business okay it's not like it's not like Shaw's owns like Publix in Florida owns like Stop and Shop in D.C. Like,
0: okay, like Jewel not. and and yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So this when is I just.
1: In college. I was so sad. <laughs> I did not have market and it is like so cheap. Yeah. And the produce is good, so I think the produce is good. And you can get like if you go in the mornings, they have like discount produce, which is hilarious. <laughs> quickly just throw it out but they just want to sell it for a dollar and wrap it in like a million pounds of plastic
0: i mean a lot of people would eat that you know
1: 100 percent. so
0: that's great yeah
1: but it's just like it is such a warm feeling for me because i would go when i was a kid and get lost because i was looking at the floors right so <laughs> i would get lost and then i would go to the counter the, <laughs> And they would page my mother for me. So I'd say, my name is Brooke Stewart and I'm lost and I can't find my mother. (laughs) And then they would say, "Um, Liz Stewart, we have your daughter at customer service. Can you please come get her? And they have a machine, a soda machine that only sells market basket brand soda. And it was 50 cents. Yeah. And they would give you a piece of cheese at the deli.
0: So it's a place you love.
1: Yes. And now is-
0: you're you're making a series on it?
1: Yeah, so um, I first started thinking about it, thinking about, like, culture versus religion. What, like, if I had to pick a church that wasn't a church, like, what would the Church of Boston be?
0: Market basket exactly. was your answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I know, because some people are like, oh, it's the garden, but, like, nobody's playing sports right now.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the garden. I, I don't. Or like Personally, and- I went in the garden, and I was like, this is – like a, an arena <laughs> it was like looked more like a mall to me
1: yeah Crap. anyway so
0: has the garden always been that way or did they update it recently
1: no they updated it it used to be like there was like one door and it was the same door that used to get on the uh, commuter rail i think they could have done a better job but then again i think the city of Boston should hire a lot more artists to do a lot more things
0: Well, they did hire a lot of, uh, or that brutalist architecture guy. And maybe they were like, "Uh, maybe we should. I love (laughs)
1: City Hall. I think City Hall is so cool.
0: Could you imagine working there though? I did jury duty and I was, when they walk you in to the the actual courtroom and you're looking down the hall and like the guard goes from like looking six foot tall to looking four foot tall. just from walking across like this aisle because the ceiling is slanted at a 70 degree angle it's funny yeah it's 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 hilarious until you have to work there (laughs) yeah
1: but i think it's beautiful
0: there's a whole stairway that people can't walk up because it's too dangerous
1: it's like one of the only buildings that they haven't knocked down like it's like one of the last brutalist buildings left
0: yeah it's a, it's fun to look at, but I, I just feel bad for the people that have to work there.
1: I know. And the people that have to work there make like city money.
0: Yeah. Well, that's probably pretty good, to be honest. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. Last year, I worked seven jobs and I made $55,000. Seven jobs. Nuts. So many W2s.
0: What, what were you doing? You were doing teaching,
1: I professor. At, I worked at Topps. I worked at Northeastern. I worked at... Two restaurants. I worked at Coach and I worked at Kate spain I used Whoa. to like do the boxes in the mornings. Oh, cool! The retail.
0: All at all at once, or was this kind of over the course um, of the year?
1: I would work in retail for holiday season.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: I worked at the restaurants, and then during the school year, I worked at the school year and then probably some some days
0: at the restaurant back to market basket you're making some paintings on being there and i I see one of them is of the floor at market basket is that and your feet
1: so i don't know i think like during covid i was trying to find something that was like what is comfortable Mm -hmm. for me and like market basket is like the definition of normal for me like and you no go time.
0: there, you go there once a week. It's like worship, right?
1: Yeah. You go once a week, you know where everything is. It's very routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, it, it was like, oh my God, it's not routine. You have to wait in line. Now it's like a day trip. I would pick up my friend Audrey and we would go to like four different ones. We were like trying them all out. I'm also starting to like, okay, so I'm 26 and I am thinking about like my friends are having kids and my sister got married and my brother's having a kid and like the idea of shopping like shopping for things shopping for men shopping online like yeah. what does that look like i am putting all of these feelings into these paintings and so i think the deli counter piece that i'm making is pretty important it has this like notion of you take your ticket and you wait And like, while you're waiting, like something could sell out. Something could move on. Something like you, you risk the chance of if you take your ticket and say, oh, I'm 10 people back, I'm going to go to the produce department and come back. Then you miss your ticket. Then you got to take another one. Right. And so (laughs) thinking about like being in a, like being forced to stay in a space. And so then you read, like, then you look at all the meat, which is gross. Right then you read like all the labels and then I was like, what am I gonna label all my meat in this deli counter piece and then I started thinking about men how would I label all the men that I've dealt with and they all got a piece of meat and then it's like great well now my number's up when do I get to choose my meat And if do I even want meat?
0: Or did you miss it?
1: <laughs> or did I miss right or did the meat that I was supposed to choose? sell out
0: and you're going to end up with that nasty yeah
1: and now one dollar meat yeah now i'm with like the fishnet ham and like what the fuck
0: so it's sort of like time slipping away on your biological clock
1: yeah is that
0: where you're coming from
1: yeah and i feel like i'm 26 and i'm sitting in my freaking house where i should be like having fun at the bar or like
0: going yeah, and
1: traveling yeah. and like this we're all in this pandemic and i'm just stuck at the deli counter looking at me uh, but i also like the painting of the feet yeah um so
0: you have like a massive painting it's massive and it's of your feet in sandals on uh some tiled floor i'm just describing it yeah, and it's to gonna people. be
1: in the freezer aisle i have like a rocket pop so i used to like I dated this guy previously and a fourth, the 4th of July was like a big deal for us. I th- I painted it on the 4th of July or started it. Oh. And I'm like sitting, waiting in the freezer aisle as my rocket pot melts in my hand. <laughs> and like, I have, I'm going to have like ants as leg hairs. Oh, wow. And they're going to be like crawling up and I'm going to be in the freezer aisle.
0: So you okay. can't tell me this isn't surrealism at this I mean, point
1: it is yeah it is. but it's all about like waiting and i think
0: it, And like, not just waiting but like the danger of waiting right yeah yeah and
1: the uncertainty, and that's kind of like what is happening with all of us right now okay the guy um, i also i'm working on this large painting of this person in a hazmat suit in the orange juice aisle people need that the idea of like vitamin d or whatever vitamin c yeah. But you're protecting yourself so much that you can't even get it. So it's like something that is help should help you in this process.
0: And orange is kind of a hazard color too, which is an interesting like uh, the orange juice is the hazard, right? Like in right. that meeting.
1: So it's like these this idea of having something perfect and healthy and what you need right in front of you. However, you're so worried right own self protection that you can't even consume it you can't even pick it up
0: that's interesting that i think that's how we're all feeling you know yeah it's like i want to go out but i shouldn't go out but i want to go out but i shouldn't go out
1: it's like then the i this the painting of the empty bag mm-hmm. i i was, i think of that as like like the crucifix and we used it as like our trash bag Well, growing up we would never buy like the hefty trash bags we just used that oh interesting and i think it's just like yeah this whole time is just trash and like what are the contents of this trash
0: interesting that's that's because
1: it's a fucking pandemic we can't see what the what the trash looks like
0: (laughs) awesome brooke (laughs) you've been a great guest (laughs) thanks you can visit the Church of Market Basket at Distillery Gallery.
1: It is going up on uh, it'll be up on the 7th and it will come down on oh the 7th of December. December. Okay. on January 16th and I think we're going to do some type of event where people can sign up for a time slot. Oh, cool. Um just to covid the numbers
0: sort of a forced a forced opening like a like a <laughs> I think of these, like, get your time slot to see this thing is like, I mean, it's
1: It's ridiculous. Very I know. rigid. I getting right? like, the deli counter ticket taker. Yeah. And been like, okay, we can take numbers four, three, seven <laughs> for the next half hour. But yeah, so we're going to do a time slot and then hopefully we'll let like, I don't know, 10 people in at a time for a half hour and then rotate them out. I think that's how we're going to do it. Oh, that's great. So um, hopefully you'll come.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely coming. Uh so if people want to find out more information, they can go to your website, brookstuartart.com. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'll also I'll be posting about it on Instagram once we kind of figure out the best way to undo the sign up sheet.
0: What what's your Instagram?
1: Brooke underscore Stewart underscore art.
0: Okay. So find mm-hmm. her on Instagram too. And of course, Those links will be in the show notes. Well, thanks, Brooke. And I hope hope everyone enjoyed episode one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm your first guest.
0: Oh, yeah. First guest.
1: Incredible. All right. I'll see you soon.
0: All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello, hello. This is the end of the podcast where I just kind of wrap things up and do a little summary of what happened, maybe, maybe not. But I definitely want to thank my guest today, Brooke Stewart. And she was just a wonderful guest. And I've never had a more interesting conversation about floors before. Brooke, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back. Um, If you like this podcast, hit subscribe. Chances are uh, somebody sent you a link and you're not subscribed because it is the first podcast. So don't forget to subscribe. And uh, even give a, give me a rating if you feel like that's necessary. Uh, also, you can just wait on the rating if you if you're not comfortable rating something after one episode. I understand your ratings are basically who you are. You know, um, you can't just rate something out of the blue and then. Uh, in two episodes it sucks and you're like oh man my reputation is ruined as a podcast listener what will my friends say Um, but anyway yeah subscribe and rate that would be awesome i hope you enjoyed this podcast we have more episodes coming up uh next week and i hope to see you then, or uh, i hope that you'll listen then i won't see you actually uh it's a podcast so anyway